This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I go out walking after midnight out in the starlight Just hoping you may be somewhere a-walking after midnight searching for me Decline there, walking after midnight, two after four, you're on In Your Face on 3CR with James and MV. MV, you have produced a very, very action-packed show today. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really action-packed, so good luck with that. No, you'll be fine. I'm really looking forward to the guests this afternoon. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, Chris Williams joins us in the studio from M8 at 4.15. We'll be talking to Robin Litvin-Salter from Queer Space, all about the We Deserve project, and uh, really excited about the final guest as well. Fleecy Malay is talking about her new album, Unhear This, which is being released on November 23rd, so lots to look forward to. Chris Williams from M8. Welcome to In Your Face. Thank you. It's great to be here. So let's start with M&A. What is it? <laughs> well, okay, so... First of all, it's going to be a, a website and a Facebook page is the easiest thing in terms of how it's accessed. Yep. But fundamentally, it's an entire initiative to empower, empower guys to live healthier, better lives. Okay, so it's targeted at gay men, bi men, Absolutely. and men who have sex with men. So sexual health is obviously a big focus. Exactly. You can't, can't talk about you know, uh, health in general for going, you know, men who have sex with men without talking about sexual health. But we also recognize that at Emanate, sexual health is a part of our lives. It's not all of our lives. So yep. we actually kind of diversify our content beyond just sexual health. Okay, so what are some of the issues that you explore, though, around sexual health? I mean, I'm, wow. I imagine PrEP <laughs> is up there. Oh, of course, absolutely. So PrEP is one of the, you know, the big new hot topics of, uh, of, of recent times, but let's not use PrEP to overshadow the also incredible understanding that, that you equals you, which means that undetectable equals untransmittable. Mm. So we now understand that people living with HIV who maintain an undetectable viral load using antiretroviral therapy cannot sexually transmit the virus, which is pretty amazing. So you put that together with something like PrEP, and, and we're actually really, really now on our way to having really proper solutions for the HIV epidemic in Australia. So you must have realised when you were seeing this up that there was a need to address gaps, Absolutely. information gaps. What are some of the big information gaps out there, especially for men who have sex with men that perhaps don't identify with the with the gay community? Well, that's the thing. If they're not gay community attached, then, then where do you learn about sexual health? If you've not got like you know social peers and other mates to chat to, then where do you understand about these particular issues. So therefore, we wanted to create a platform that was going to be able to speak to all of these men in hopefully relatively easy to digest language. It's not overly complicated. Also, it's kind of fun and poppy. We didn't want to be authoritative about it. Yeah, exactly. So you've, you've kind of, you're kind of exploring those fun issues. You're kind of sexing things up a bit. Tell us what are some of those issues that you do to make it fun? Like, what do you talk <laughs> wow. about that's fun? Well, I, you know, what's amazing is I get to talk about stuff like threesomes. Like never before. I saw that actually on your, on your website. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, I've never before been able to actually in a job actually talk openly about like we have threesomes that's an actual thing like and we get to talk about other kind of esoteric sex practices can, can I say fisting on air is that yeah, okay sure I did too late <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about those kinds of things that sometimes are a bit taboo in some cases but we make it interesting and accessible and you have to use language that is in everyday gay speak or queer speak Absolutely. as well you can't kind of just whitewash it all and keep it all in the closet 
Well, that's right. Look, and, and like I, I try to try to avoid stigmatizing language, and sometimes we can be a bit clinical in terms of saying condomless sex. But you know, it's we've got to be able to form language to talk about these things realistically and pragmatically because that's what guys are actually doing. How do you actually reach the bisexual community? How do you actually yeah. take on board the issues that make it particularly hard for them to access services and, and get information? You know, that, that's a, that's a really great question, and I think that's that's something that we are continually uh, continue to evolve and try to wrap our heads around. Um, we we have challenges in terms of our social marketing. How do we actually reach anybody on platforms like Facebook that don't allow us to target gay or bisexual men directly? So we have to find novel and interesting ways and work out, well, what kind of things are gay and bisexual men interested in to be able to target them that way using those social marketing tools? I didn't realise that about Facebook. That's, that's, quite, right. a, that's quite a barrier it, it can for be a our barrier. community. Like it's, it, it, is a, it can be a barrier, and, and I understand why Facebook do it. Ultimately, it could leave that population vulnerable if we could just you know, get, get advertising to, to market to them across the board. So we have to be a bit sneaky and a bit creative in terms of understanding, well, what do these guys actually like? What do they get off on a, on a daily basis? And that's not always just sex stuff. What about men from a non-English speaking background? Mm. Again, lots of barriers, hard to get information. How do you mm. make the site accessible to them? Well, that's a really interesting topic because we've been talking about that in, in the program recently and working out what can we do. So we've been investigating the possibility of going out into other apps that we are aware of, similar to Grindr, but are dedicated for you know Asian communities, for example. So there are different apps out there that we're going to look to start targeting and potentially doing advertising campaigns on those apps as well. One of the things I was discussing with one of my editors this week was the possibility of writing articles that are kind of um, what do you what do you do when you first arrive in Australia and how do you start accessing our healthcare system you know 101 guides for somebody that, that rocks up in this country and, and it isn't provided any information in terms of how to manage the healthcare and what are some of the leads that you give people in that position <laughs> oh wow well I've yet to write it so I'll oh, come okay. back to you afterwards <laughs> what about the trans and gender diverse community mm, yeah. uh, to what extent does Emanate address their issues yeah um, so well fundamentally Emanate is all about men who have sex with men so so absolutely, yep. trans men are included in that, absolutely. So trans men are men. But also, we recognize that not all trans men identify as gay or bisexual. Some trans men are heterosexual. So therefore, we are all about trans men, but predominantly the trans men that have sex with other men in particular. We have a few articles that, that talk about trans health and trans sex in particular. Um, I would like to explore the possibility of going to do more stuff into, in the trans men's health area. So how do you identify the topics to explore? You know, How do you find out what men want to know about them? talk about look i do a lot of social research right okay i was going to ask you that <laughs> do you go on the apps to get that info look that i intel? I, I do and, and i've been i've been on the apps for, for you know for many 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 years but as a result of kind of being on the apps and having a profile that is very open and invitational to talk about sexual health it's really fascinating people are interested they're engaged they do come and approach me and talk to me and they ask questions because i don't judge them and i don't stigmatize their behaviors and they ask me questions and i find out all these bits and pieces and I see patterns in those and then I go and write articles about that. Do you find that the forum you're providing is much more constructive? I mean, sites like Grindr and Scruff and Squirt, I mean, I could go on and on mm. and on. Lots of people kind of say empirically, and I think there's been some research about this as well, that they contribute negatively at times towards oh, people's mental health. Totally, and, and, and social media as well, which, which is yep. the awful thing about the fact that I've got to be running a program that is utilising social media, the very thing that is potentially causing poor health outcomes. Yes. 
So it's a bit of a conflict, potentially. Right. But, but then it, it's – unless we go back to traditional methods, how else do we actually go out and reach guys? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like doing outreach, really, mm. except it's online. Absolutely. It's digital outreach. And the thing with Emanate as well is we're a national program. So we're going out to guys across the whole of Australia and attempting mm. to reach as many guys as possible with that. So how do you address issues like racism and mm. HIV apartheid? I mean, mm. they're often issues that people complain about when they access yeah. those other main, mainstream online queer dating sites that we just talked about. Totally. Do, do you mean in, in, in within our content or certainly yeah. within moderating the behaviour or kind of Both, our audience? the whole thing. Yeah, gotcha. Well, in, in terms of audience moderation, um, I, I personally have a policy of, of moderation in moderation. Uh, it's a public platform, so occasionally you'll find somebody that tries to come on and write something particularly unkind, uh, depending upon the nature of that. And if it's factually inaccurate, then it's a, you don't get to say that. That's, that's not okay. And Facebook has controls and abilities for us to socially isolate those people and say, you can't do that. But for the most part, we've actually had really, really good responses. And I think one of the reasons we've had good responses from our audience is because we've set a tone and a style in our content that is is fun. It's not too serious. So we're trying to create a fun environment for people to be in rather than encourage negative responses within social media interactions. So how can people access it? <laughs> so uh, if you go to www.emanate.com.au, it's spelled E-M-E-N and the number eight, or if you search for Emanate on Facebook. Awesome. Chris Williams from Emanate, thank you so much for joining us today on 3CR. Thank you. It's 11 after 4 you and In Your Face on 3CR with James and MV, and here is PJ Harvey.
You're listening to 3CR Radio. You are indeed. And before that promo, we heard from PJ Harvey, Let England Shake. It's almost a quarter past four. You're on In Your Face on 3CR with James NMV. We're joined in the studio by Robin Litvin-Salter uh, from Transgender Victoria and Drummond Street's Queer Space to talk about the We Deserve Project. Welcome to 3CR. Hey, thanks for having me. You're no stranger to community radio. No, I'm not. Uh, you did some work in Perth? Yeah, I used to do RTR for a while and all things queer. Awesome stuff. All right, tell us about We Deserve, because it's an incredibly important project promoting um, respectful relationships within the trans and gender diverse communities. Yeah, so pretty much is that Transgender Victoria has been working on this project where we're looking at family violence prevention within trans and gender diverse communities, and there isn't really any work there done at all. So work on this project where sort of the purpose is to work with the community, talk to the community through focus groups and like, and just see what respectful relationships look like within a trans and gender diverse context. And how do we build on those? How do we build those relationships? Because the rates of intimate partner violence and just violence that trans and gender diverse people experience, it's very high, isn't it, compared yeah. to the mainstream community? Yeah, it's totally intense, even when compared to, say, just a queer context. Like, the transgender diverse community experience so much violence, but we just have no information on it. So, with that sort of thing, we have to find out, we know it's high, but what does it look like? How off, how common is it? We need to figure that stuff out. And also, you know, on what form does it take? Like, it's yeah. not just physical violence, I would imagine. No, so there's totally things that you wouldn't even think of, like denying someone's gender is a huge thing. Denying people access to treatments and hormones and just, you know, threatening to out someone is can be completely different. It's because you've got trans people who may look... Like they're a cis heterosexual person and you can that's a threat as well that people can face. There's so many different factors. And would you say that, you know, isolation, social isolation that trans and gender diverse people experience is is a barrier to overcoming uh, violence and discrimination? Yeah, and this is a community that's so diverse and that's why we're looking at trans and gender diverse people f- with this project because with the trans community you have gay people you have lesbians you have bisexual you have intersex people you have straight people you have the whole gamut of just the queer community and so many different divisions within that with just in the trans population so it can cause so much conflict there as well of course we're approaching transgender day of remembrance it's on november 20 yeah i was just really struck this week when i was reading about the levels of violence internationally towards trans and gender diverse people and the murder rates especially in brazil colombia and the united states it's absolutely frightening it's endemic and it's just it's a global problem it's not and it's not just in those countries it's you know this higher rate of violence is prominent even here in Victoria. So that's why these sort of programs are so important. And that's why Transgender Day of Remembrance is so important as well. You talk about the um, the level of violence towards the community here in Victoria. To what extent is it the tip of the iceberg, do you think? I imagine lots of trans and gender diverse people don't actually report violence. Well, that's the thing. Like, this is why we're going this program the way we are, because just from our immediate, like just our very anecdotal sort of figuring things out, we're finding that the community is struggling with even understanding what they deserve from a relationship. So, and if you, when a community doesn't understand what they deserve from a relationship, the the threat of violence and all those things is just can be a massive and completely unknown. And that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a massive. We know it's. We know there's a lot. 
We just need to find a way to quantify it and figure it out. So the community's finding it difficult to express the language around what they deserve uh, and, I guess, negotiating relationships as well? Yeah, because we're working with a community that we have no blueprint. Like, Mm. the community, you know, we don't see our relationships depicted anywhere else. We don't – our relationships are kind of so unique and so queer that we don't really know how to navigate them and what they should look like so we can make – bad choices and end up in bad situations because of it. And I guess a lot of people don't have that peer support to actually talk to other people about, you know, well, what is a healthy choice in a relationship? What's your experience? This is my experience. Yeah. And even then the peers they do have can have their own issues they're dealing with as well, which can make that complicated. Right. Okay. So tell us about the personal journey that you've been on that's attracted you to this project. Well, I myself, I am a trans woman. Um, Been out for last, probably about last, three or four years and working in this scene around that time. And through that time, I've been working with the community and seen so much. There's just so much, just so many issues we're facing and just a chance to do something to get a ball rolling on because there's so much more to do for our community. So what are young trans people telling you about what they want from relationships as opposed to what they find themselves often getting? Well, it's not just – it's trans people of all ages. You know, Mm. we've got trans people from young – young, young kids mm. to, you know, the elderly of, you know, dealing with family, family of origin, family of choice, dealing with their romantic partners, sexual partners. And they just, they want just some, they want relationships that are as fair and respectful as everyone else's. But do you find there are common themes though from the different age groups or do you find that, you know, younger people are saying this, middle-aged people are saying this and older people are saying something different? I think there is like just different things, different demographics are wanting but to sort of like, well, that's part of the project is figuring that stuff out. So we don't have, as I said, we're working with so little information from the get-go that part of this project is we working, we're doing folk, running focus groups over the na- next few months, which are the community, we're actually speaking to the community about what those things are. So tell us um, about those focus groups. How are they going to work? So what we're doing is we're currently putting the call out now to get people to um, contact us and you can find that through our Facebook page or give us send me an email, robin at transgendervictoria.com, where what we're doing is we're asking people to sort of come to these focus groups, their group sessions, and sort of we're going to be talking about respect for relationships. We're going to talk about sort of what that looks like in a trans context and ask people to sort of their perspectives, their insights into what those things look like so we can get a better understanding and have some actual information we can work with. So how many focus groups are you going to do? So we're doing a fair few. Yep. So it depends on numbers. So far we have about we have a fair few people who are interested. So we're going to be running multiple sessions. But it does depend on those final numbers, obviously. And how many people would you like to have in each focus group? We're looking for around six or seven, bit bit less, bit more, depending on just availabilities and numbers. And how often would they be? So they are running from the end of this month to about mid-December. Okay. So they'll be over that time frame. And where do people go? Like, would it be in Carlton? Would it, where, where would it be? Yeah, currently the main ones are running are based in Drummond Street. Great. So they nice will, and central. Yes, right. And I said right, right in Drummond Street. So they will be run there, pretty central location, easy to get to. But if you do get in contact with us and you can't get there, we can find other ways to get in contact with you to make sure you are heard as part of this progress. And how long would the focus groups go for? Like, would it be an hour, two hours? About an hour and a half is what we're gaming for. 
going for and f- everyone who participates in these will ha- be remunerated for their time oh wow and how much do they get uh, $60 gift cards or oh wow with. that's fantastic yeah so what kind of questions specifically are you going to ask people um, those things we're still finalising again sure. we still have a bit of time so we are finalising the exact details um, for the time being but it's a lot of questions on this thing of building respect for relationships that sort of thing awesome now if people want to engage with you and ask you some questions and just kind of test the water a bit um, is there an email address phone number as well yeah so you can contact me on my email which is robin at transgendervictoria.com you can also hit us up on facebook which is we does we deserve and find us through there as well as the best ways to get in contact with us. And um, there's some awesome events happening for Transgender Remembrance Day here in Melbourne. Can you tell us about some of them? Yeah, so Transgender Victoria has a big one coming up at Hares and Hyenas. That's on the 20th of November. Tickets are pretty much almost sold out now, but that'll be on at 7.30pm. Awesome. And of course, um, Hares and Hyenas is in Johnson Street in Fitzroy. Robin Litvin-Salter from uh, Transgender Victoria and Queer Space at Drummond Street, thank you so much for joining us on 3CR today to talk about We Deserve. Thanks for having me. 23 After 4, you're on In Your Face on 3CR and here are the gossip.
20 to 5 right in your face on 3CR UMI there with Billy. Up next, we'll be talking to Fleecy Malay about their upcoming new album. But in the meantime, here is the artist themselves with the track Witches. And we do have to say there is a language warning on this track. So if you may be offended, maybe go and make a cup of tea. In the past, they burned us because they thought that we were witches. Because we knew what to do with herbs outside of the kitchen because we knew how to dance, how to seduce, how to pray. Because we moved with the cycles of the moon. In the past, they burned us alive because they knew that we are witches. So now we cast spells with our mouths, pieces of our hearts spill out, it is incredible power of a woman who is not afraid to say no. No, we won't sit any longer while you ponder on our rights and our rights to give or not give life and our rights to make another woman our wife and our rights to get paid an equal wage, to be safe, to have a voice in places where we might actually make a change. It is incredible the amount of ways they have slayed just to keep us small. If they could have, they probably would have burned us all, but they couldn't with fire, so they did it with words. Laid down laws to determine the amount of our worth. They kept us in contracts and separated our circles, erased us from pages and made labour-saving devices our saviours. It is incredible how quickly knowledge can fade, how much effort that they have invested just to lead us astray, but we will not come quietly. That's another thing they've tried to take away. Our rights to exclaim our orgasms ecstatically. No, we will not come quietly. We will open our mouths, let our spells spill out and cast poetic prayers into the night so that every woman can hear the howl of her sister's delight reminding her that her voice deserves to be heard. Let her jewel drop. Let her shame stop. Let her body scream under the self-pleasure of what it means to be a woman who can speak freely. You see, words carry meaning. And they have fooled us for so long into believing that no means yes. So much so that I'm almost impressed, except, well, I finally discovered that they were right. So I've claimed back that no as mine, because every no I throw against their forces is another yes I retain for my own self-worth. It's a spell I cast for my own protection. It is incredible. The power of a woman who is not afraid to say no. Because this old witch... And know your place. This which knows that some knowledge just won't fade, that every woman is my sister. And through the hubble and the bubble and the toil and the trouble, we grow stronger when we cast our spells together. That we entered the fire. And now we rise from the ashes. And we are holding our candles and lighting our matches so that the night becomes lighter and our voices can grow because we have remembered that we are witches and we have learned to say no. Theresa will be broadcasting live from the steps of the Victorian Parliament House in support of Defend and Extend Public Housing's 10-day vigil. Public housing, everybody's business. Join the anarchist world this week at Parliament House, 10am to 11am 
on two Wednesdays, the 14th and 21st of November. And yes, there is more. Also join Talk Back With Attitude at Parliament House, 10 to 11am, Thursday the 15th and the 22nd of November. Make public housing a significant issue for the forthcoming state election. Join us for these live broadcasts on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And who knew I'd find inspiration here? Amongst more city streets and concrete hip-hop beats create the soundtrack to my days. And how do I spend my days? All my days. All my days I can't blaze away, graze my brain away. Days in hazy holes are okay, no way. I can't have cannabis curtains clouding my eyes. It's medicine, all right, but that doesn't mean I have to self-prescribe myself day and night. But man, it like totally opens your mind. Yes. And it also makes me close my eyes. And I want to watch the flowers grow. I want to see cracks in concrete paths overflow with great green incredible and edible wild foods which before I believed to be weeds now act as the on-the-go snack I need. I fill my salad bowl up with petals and leaves and march forth unto and through these city streets. And when I hear the kids of today say, Nah man, what's the point? In this society a kid like me can't win. I think so what? Should I just give in, roll up and spliff in for the night with Nintendos and the lights off, TVs and DVDs, making up for my lack of dreams? No way. I've been there. I'll only be back in a city where I can so easily rhyme it with gritty and shitty, but I'm done with creating that reality for me. I'm done with believing that the only thing surrounding me is some real-life drama between my friends and my family. He said that she said that he'd get a knife on me, but I know his mum and she's the ice street flag. She don't even know the name of his dad. Because that year... The most inspiring people that I met. They weren't the ones living in the mountains, riding wild horses, barebacked and mounted. They weren't the gypsies or the hippies or the anarchists from middle-class families. They weren't living in squats or woods or wearing fake pixie clothes with pointed hoods. They were six years old. Six years old and born third generation unemployed. Six years old and told that their only future job prospect is working down a coal mine in this day and age. Kids to who alcoholism is a daily theme and organic food is some unaffordable dream, the offspring of society's class of whatever. But when I see that six-year-old bend down to the ground and pull a leaf from the green and pass it to me, try this, she says as she puts some between her teeth, I heed. Hmm, sorrel. I reply. Yeah, it's my favourite, she says with a smile. And the eight-year-old boy wearing his football shirt to school, the advertising campaign of the beer company on his chest making him cool. And he tells me about how I got to school half an hour early so I could pull the potatoes I'd grown out the ground. Standing there, smile wide, with his mucky bucket of starchy pride, and I can't help but feel inspired. And the nine-year-old goes... Nine years old and fighting the council for their right to have a wind turbine in their school. And I'm blown away. 
I put any hint of atheism aside and I pray that these kids never see how deep a K-hole can be. They never give up a single night's dream because they're addicted to weed and they never stop seeing the green through the concrete and give in. And they never, ever utter the words. And what's the point? In this society, a kid like me can't win. Fleecy Malay there with reasons to dream and also witches. And we'll be talking to Fleecy right after these announcements. G'day, this is Jacob from the Friday Rave. If the week's politics have left you wondering whether it's you or the rest of the planet that's gone completely and utterly bonkers, join us at 5 o'clock each and every Friday for a Friday Rave here on 3CR, where we'll do our best to reassure you that it is actually you and us. A Friday Rave, bringing the 5 o'clock drinks debrief to you here on Community Radio 3CR. Yep, it's a great show, Friday Rave. Check it out. In 11 minutes, we're joined in the studio by Fleecy Belay, uh, the amazing artist whose upcoming album is going to be released on the 23rd of November, Unhear This, and we heard your tracks, Reasons to Dream and Witches. Welcome to 3CR. Thanks, Sarah, for having me. It's great. You're here with a beautiful child. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> what inspired witches? Did you do much research about witches? You know, funnily enough, it was one of those ones where I was just driving along and these words started pouring into me. And this concept of no being a yes for the self, as as people, when we say no to somebody else and yes being for ourselves was all, was in me for a while. But the actual words and the concept of which is, I didn't even think about it. I just typed it and it, I read it about three minutes after I wrote it on Facebook Live and that's how it came out. Wow. Is that always how you work? I imagine that Reasons to Dream, in contrast, was a bit more kind of um, an ongoing process. Well, I think what it is, is is like the experiential of life is the ongoing process and it kind of builds up inside me and then it's kind of like a little word vomit and it all just kind of comes out in one go. And quite often with those pieces, yeah, they're just that they are as they are written, like a stream of consciousness. Wow. So how do you actually make sure that your life is able to access that stream of consciousness? Because lots of people are blocked and they can't do that. How come you can? Uh, I can't always. I think that's um, part of being a writer is you spend most of your time worrying about the fact that you're not writing. But um, (laughs) creating space and time for really taking in the world around you is really, really important for me. And do you find that the creative process has got easier now that you've had a child? Oh, no, it's harder. It's harder, (laughs) really? (laughs) Because there's so much less time for myself. There's so much less time to really just be on my own and take in space and take in the spaciousness that is needed for that kind of poetic way of looking at life. And when you've got a kid, you kind of half my time is spent dedicated to her. Because I was thinking maybe having a child is so busy that you've got no alternative but to do that stream of consciousness (laughs) really quickly. There is that. I think that also having a kid has made me more dedicated to my craft. It's like something that I have to actually create time for and make time for. So it's much more a process of intentionally deciding that, that this is this is what I need for myself. Like some people do yoga, some people go running. I have to write, I have to find space and time to do that every day. Does having a child change the way that you write in terms of the topics that you write about, the words that you write about? Like have you have you noticed a change in yourself? I think I've written a lot more about what it is to be a woman obviously being a mother as well but like for me my experience as a woman because I think that that realization that what I write is changing the future of her world Mm. so when I write things 
I have this real realization that what I'm putting out in the world is creating something. It's creating a reality. And what reality do I want to create for this kid to grow into? So it's the same with the event that I run with Mother Tongue. I'm creating a space for women to be heard in a world that doesn't always hear women. And that, that having a daughter made that even more important for me. You've got a really great spoken word voice and it's almost on the verge of song at times. Do you sing as well? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. <laughs> so I spent most of my life pretty afraid of singing in front of people, but I have my album coming out and I've got one track on the album, which is a bonus track. And I'm singing on that one. And I think my next my next collection of pieces will be singing and poetry together. Because you can tell that you can sing as well. That clearly <laughs> comes out from your voice. I'm fascinated by this singing track. Tell us a bit more about it. Uh, it's called Raw. And yeah. it's an erotic piece about this woman who I was deeply enamored by for a very long time. And it's that kind of, I think the, the chorus is something like, take my body raw, bruise me and control me. And then it's this kind of like, poet. then the poems are in between the chorus. Yeah, so it sounds like doing a mainly spoken word album has actually given you the confidence to express your singing voice. It definitely has. I think um, for most of my life, I, when I get up on stage, I feel like I'm most likely going to do spoken word because it's the one I know is going to get the biggest effect because it's something that I'm much more versed in. But now I'm so grounded in that I have the space to really yeah, explore with my, my vulnerable self. And that's what I'm here for is to be vulnerable and really singing is my vulnerability. So do you find that when you're driving in the car, it's almost like you've got Tourette's and stuff just comes out? <laughs> it does. It does come out a lot when driving and on the toilet and in the shower. What about you when know? you're walking like, you know, because the acoustics can be great outside. Yeah, they can be. Yeah. So I think in the car is, is a really good spot for it because there's so much movement. Everything's got moving around you. And so your brain doesn't, it has like the space, the movement inside itself to get words flowing. As yeah, well. right. Now you also use music. Um, tell us a little bit about that on the album. How does your creative process work to, to do the music and the lyrics? Yeah, this was a really interesting journey because I basically hired or got two of my friends in, a guy called Joe and a guy called Fahad, and they did a lot of the electronic beats and stuff. And Joe's an amazing acoustic musician. So he did some piano and he did some guitar, but sometimes he brought things to me and I was like that is exactly not what I want you've got it completely wrong and then he was amazing and he'd be like okay and he'd go away and, he, and he'd redo it and and we ended up actually getting a lot of other local and international musicians involved so I had got some friends in Wales wow. back I'm from the UK so I got went back there I didn't go myself but I kind of contacted people and I wanted to bring that Celtic I wanted to bring my kind of cultural heritage back into the album so I've got some beautiful Celtic flute melodies and violin melodies in there as well so it hasn't just given you a connection with your voice it's also given you a connection with you know your innate and kind of you know perhaps suppressed musical talents and appreciations as well definitely it was definitely a huge thing for me to work out what I wanted the music to sound like with the words because I'd never had to think about it did you think about it a lot or was it kind of like trying this trying that it was a lot of try and error and it was also a lot of knowing what other things really speak to me so like Kate Tempest I wanted like a mix If, if Kate Tempest and Banks had a love child that's what I would want. Wow. So why you, why those two characters? <laughs> well, Kate Tempest, she has the edge. She has the hip-hop stuff going on. She's also, like, obviously very much in the spoken word edge, and she's got that urban vibe to her. And what I love about Banks is it's really sexy. It's really bassy, but it's spacious. There's a lot of spaciousness in that music. And also, like, if you could put Angus and Julia Stone in there a little bit as yeah, well. Yeah, right. So you listen to, obviously, lots of different kinds of music. Mm. What are you listening to at the moment? At the moment, I've been listening to actually a local uh, Australian artist called Blooming. 
Right, I've never he, heard of them. Yeah, um, he just had his uh, EP launch last week and I was p- involved in it. So I got a copy of the CD and I've just been listening to it nonstop ever since. Do you find you see lots of live music? I don't so much anymore. I guess having a child. <laughs> and what brought you to Australia? Um, I decided I wanted to see how far I could get without flying. So I left the UK with my thumb out and not much money in my pocket and hitchhiked and took trains and boats. And I got as far as Southeast Asia and I ended up staying there for a year and a half. And Wow. Eventually flew from Malaysia to here. So you did fly at one point. One point I did. It's but mostly because I realised I wouldn't leave relieve Thailand if it didn't. Because I tried. I kept getting on buses and then turning around and going back again. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Because I was going to say it would have been probably quite easy to go by ship from Malaysia to Australia, but it was just that you wouldn't have left if you didn't fly. Exactly. Right. So did you have a fear of flying? No, it was more of a kind of social. It began as a social activism and ended up more as like a cultural social exploration like who am I as a human and what all these humans that we pass when we fly and I want to actually know who they are I want to meet these people I want to be involved myself in people's cultures which is really important in this online world where people don't even look up from their phones sometimes to see who they see next to on the tram or the bus or you know even when they're walking totally when I left the UK smartphones weren't a thing yeah right. and then I like immersed myself away from modern technology lived in in the middle of the jungle for like quite a long time and then I arrived in Australia and everybody had these things called smartphones and I was like I don't know what these are <laughs> what's going on so the album's called Unhear This. It's yeah. being released on the 23rd of November. Yeah. Uh, if people want to check it out, where should they go? Uh, FleecyMalay.com, F-L-E-A-S-S-Y-M-A-L-A-Y. And everything's on there. Awesome, Fleecy. I could chat with you for ages, but unfortunately we are out of time. Jacob is up next with the Friday Rave. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks for bringing your beautiful daughter in. Thanks so much for having us. And thank you to UMV for being as wonderful as always. Thank you to all our guests. It's been such a pleasure, such a pleasure to meet you, Fleecy. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.